This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey guys, happy Friday. We hope that you've had a good week. We are back with more madness because we've just finished. Let's see, today we did a shoot and we did some post and we planned for uh, the next round of cars. Uh, guys, uh, so here's the tease. The uh, 300ZX is going to go away to the highest bidder via our Discord. It's going away, man. So I, I can't am, believe I am You've been talking about this. Simultaneously, I am, how do I put this? Resigned is probably the best word. I've been driving so. it around today. And I've been having that moment every time we got out of it, just going, that is a great looking car. It, it's so great. But then I drive it around and I still enjoy it, but I drive it around and I go, okay, okay. I don't want to, but I'm ready. Wow, man. So Such it's, a big it's, step. It's, it's weird because I'm yeah. driving it around going, okay, I want someone else to love this as much as I do. Life needs to move on. Budget needs to move on too. That's the reality. <laughs> and then as far as other budget things going on, why are the you show, adding to your um, Cayenne collection? I'm not. I'm oh. not. Uh, yeah, exactly. Darn That's it. not happening. Because a new uh, one's been introduced, you can uh, add and have. <laughs> we could do generations of the Cayenne. Stop. I'm not yes. sure who would watch that, except for people at Porsche. Other than that, I'm not sure at anyone would watch that. At least we make ourselves laugh. You know, well, there is that. So speaking of other things going on, we are going to be adding to the Everyday Driver show fleet, and I can't tell you what, but that's happening as well. So we've been talking about the Z going and <laughs> something else coming in. Either. It's not a Cayenne. There's machinations going on. There's planning behind the scenes. There's garage stuff being discussed, and I can't wait to share. But unfortunately, Unfortunately, as of right now, I can't share. And my neighbors are starting to ask again because the cars are. are coming at us and they're getting parked in the driveway and they're going. They're coming what, twice a week. What is it you do again? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, well, it's just I mess around with cars, I drive them, and I talk about them on camera. And because of us driving our personal cars, cars coming in from Denver from two different press fleets, nothing about the cars that are coming in match each other, which so, is kind of nice. Exactly. Actually. So, so what's happening? If if you you could envision Paul's driveway right now, he has his three garage doors closed. You have no idea what's in there. Of course, I do, and you do, because it's the expedition. <laughs> My neighbors still and it's don't. The actually. 928 Porsche and the and the the Cayman, but those are tucked away. Nobody knows about that. Winter just barely ended. Outside of the garage, in the driveway, is Chance's 911 with a big wing and a number on the side. <laughs> My classic looking 1991 Nissan 300ZX, a Nissan Aria all electric, which looks like a spaceship. Yeah, and the yeah. brand new Genesis G90. This is a quite eclectic group. No wonder people are stopping. No, I'm not running a VRBO. No, it is not an Airbnb. No, it's not a party. We're just filming cars like crazy. Yeah, we are. It is a new year with new products from Griot's Garage. First up is the three-in-one wheel, tire, and mat cleaner. This is a non-acidic formula that cuts brake dust and road grime on your OEM wheels, tires, and rubber floor mats. Then there's water spot remover, which removes the above surface water spots from exterior surfaces. There's ceramic metal polish. It brightens, restores, and protects common metal surfaces, and it leaves a finish like you've never seen. I use some of this stuff on the Z exhaust. It's awesome. Then there's their citrus all-purpose cleaner. When Nick was on the podcast the last time, he talked this up. You have gum in the seats. You've got melted crayons. This is the stuff that works on that. It's a concentrated, powerful, non-foaming cleaner for exteriors and interiors alike. And remember that all Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquid products are made right here in the USA. 
And when you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's Griots, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We have a great couple of debates. First one coming at you from Frank C., known as Mustang Frank in Detroit. So we're going to get him a Camaro. Got it. Right. Good call. <laughs> Hang on, Frank. It's going to get crazy. Frank, do you introduce yourself as Mustang Frank to people? I'm just wondering. On our Discord, we've got various handles of people. We've got Waffle and Turtle Slayer. And, and Nugget and Moose. And, and I, Moose and Ducky. I, I was Mustang never in Frank. A, I was never in a fraternity. Okay. <laughs> I had a nickname earlier in, in my life, in my 20s. I had a nickname that my climbing buddies used. Okay. I'm not repeating it. But, do, but at the same I know time, you probably have heard it. We'll talk about it later. But the oh, point long is, time. come on one of our actual meetups and I'll talk about it, but I'm not going to talk about it otherwise. <laughs> I understand that nicknames happen. What has surprised me about Discord is the number of people of all ages, like respectable adults yeah, who walk yeah. around in life, not just among their buddies, like they walk around in life referred to by their nickname. That's I, that how they go. That was not how yeah. I grew up. It was not my I agree. thinking. But okay, so yeah, if you join our Discord, there are a bunch of nicknames to wade through. And Mandy <laughs> does a great job because when we have, this is one of the coolest things that she does on our meetups. And, and, and I say that, the meetups are very cool. But thankfully, the name tags have your handle on them. So people know. So oh. I'm like, oh, you're, oh, oh, so you're exactly. that person who I had never, I didn't know you had a real name. That's your real name, but it happens. It's great. You come, have a real name? Come on our meetups, by the way. Unfortunately, the Utah meetup this year is full, but it's going to be so much fun. That happens actually a week after we get back from our pilgrimage trip, which mm-hmm. is the first week of June. So first week of June, we're in Europe. Then a week after we get back, we go on our Utah meetup. And then in September, we have our really cool Rocky Mountain Adventure, which is significantly more expensive, very spouse-friendly, very high-end. I still think there's a couple of spaces left, but we've had enough people that are interested in that. We're having another great trip in September. That's just the stuff we know about. We were actually planning shoots today, and we're through July, I think. But that means we've got the back half of our shoot season still available. And road trips coming, too. Yeah, for sure. Back to Frank's debate here. He has been listening to the podcast since the late 200s. Wow. It's a terrifying number. It is. He found that the three of us have similar tastes, meaning Mustang Frank, Paul, and Todd. Mm. So the three of us, all right? We're car buddies. That's great. I love that. Well, he he agrees with me the most, but Todd's recommendation to chase lightweight has been good advice as well. Okay. I I think there's there's trade-offs and things that we all like here. Mm -hmm. When we created this show... We were perfectly fine. I mean, we didn't love it, but we were perfectly fine with like, well, that Todd guy's an idiot. Or man, I just never agree with Paul. The point is to pick sides along yes. the kind of stuff. Well, we said that from the beginning. Absolutely. Yes. We, we want. We were giving you two different perspectives so that over time, as as Frank has discovered here, you can kind of figure out, oh, so all right. So if so if he likes it, then I'll probably like it. Who's who's your guy? That was the original Siskel and Ebert model. Mm-hmm. And that's why we did it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, he's in suburban Detroit. Frank enjoys an occasional track day, but... Loves Grand Touring the most. He likes twisty roads. He does do that Hawking Hills area each year, two to three Mm. trips, which we drove in our road trip number three of Cars of the Past. It's down in Ohio, and he's not afraid to drive down to the Tail of the Dragon from time to time. Very cool. We need to do that. Yeah, for sure. As the subject suggests, he's bought several of our recommendations over the years and couldn't be happier. Ooh, I'm so glad. One, there's one we did right. Only took like 800 podcasts, but there's one we did right. At least it wasn't an email yeah. like, I bought all of your recommendations. You guys are idiots. I can't sell Nothing them fast worked. enough. What is going on? Why did you suggest this? True. He recently sold a 987.1 Cayman S in order to purchase a 2022 GR86 Premium Manual. Ooh, 
That's his current fun three-season daily. Love it. He says the Porsche was great, but after two years with the car, he wanted something newer and with a warranty. Okay. But also his daily is a 2021 Mazda 3 Turbo all-wheel drive premium. Excellent car again. Yep, great good. car. It's given him no problems. And if you grow up in Southeast Michigan, you have to pick a team. <laughs> Guess which team Frank is on. Mustang Frank is on Team Mustang. You're not surprised to hear that. Wouldn't wouldn't it be funny if Mustang Frank was on Team Camaro? That would be great. Yeah, be I don't know how we'd funny. make that happen. Anyway, yeah. Well, he's been on that team since he was 20 years old. Now he's 45 and owns a 2012 Boss 302 in competition orange <laughs> with a license tag that says, Stand back. <laughs> S-T-N-D-B-A-K. That's just so he can lean into the jokes. I love, I, I really, really hope, Frank, that when you leave a Cars and Coffee, you pull out onto the street and sit still and rev as if you're about to do something and then leave normally. Just drive away. And then leave normally. Right, yeah, exactly. right. Once everybody stands back, now it's just time to leave. <laughs> Frank would like to replace the Mazda and the Toyota soon. Okay. Who wants to buy a GR86 Premium? Yeah, seriously, right Frank in. is selling. Mm-hmm. He is out of space and will be buying a car for his daughter soon. That does happen, yes. Now, Frank is number one on the list for a GR Corolla Circuit Edition at his local dealer. But as of this recording, there has been no news of an allocation and he refuses to pay markup. Good mm. for you. Okay. Yes. All right, good. Therefore, he needs a plan B since it's doubtful they'll sell that car to him at sticker. Hmm. He drives about 25,000 miles a year, so whatever we recommend has to be reliable-ish. <laughs> We've used that term before. On the same playing field as reliable. Uh-huh. You can, it's just on the other we corner, but that's okay. out in the cornfield. It's, it's okay, yeah. But we can see the field. Manual is preferred. His price range is about $55,000, and he says, Paul, do your thing if I must. Yes, <laughs> I must. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no surprises there. It must seat four, but he almost never has taller adults in the back. Okay. And also, get this, no Korean cars, please. Interesting. They right. just don't have any street cred in Detroit. Okay. All right. Please try and recommend something he can actually buy without markup or something that isn't impossible to find. <laughs> he says, Todd, a Chevy SS manual is already on his list of maybes. Okay. Look, they're within your budget. You can find them. It takes a little bit of search. You do have to search nationwide. Remember, autotempest.com slash everyday. I was literally having a conversation with my parents today, and we were on it. That's we, drifted, right. we drifted toward talking yeah, about yeah, cars, yeah. and now we're on Auto Tempest again. And it just—it's an amazing thing to drill down. You can use all the little filters and get in all kinds of stuff. So, definitely keep that in mind. I like that you already thought of the Chevy SS, and I have to say, seriously, Frank, I have to just applaud you real quick. I am very impressed that here you are, Mustang Frank, and you have owned a Porsche Cayman and a 2022 GR86. That those is huge. Are, neither of those are obvious. Well, I'm a guy that owns a string of Mustangs. Neither of those are obvious choices to go from there. Right. And and I appreciate that you said that, that my commentary about lightweight, good chassis has, has filtered into your brain. It clearly must have if you bought a GR86. Yeah. So I'm yeah. very glad you enjoyed that, car. Let's see if we can solve this. Well, Frank, I have choices for you. And as we've been spending a lot of time lately with the new Civic Type R... That immediately popped to mind. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then I thought of all the dealer markup and the yes. price gouging yes. and the availability, and I had to move on immediately. Unfortunately, yes. Then my mind went to Elantra N. Okay. And yep. then you said in your email, no Korean cars, please. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of bummed about that. Sure, yeah. But I understand about street cred. Then I thought, okay, what over in the BMW catalog can mm-hmm. we That's where choose I went to. Yeah. for you? And I thought about two series... Not quite sure something there is 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 right. I thought about that GR Super manual, that BMW thinking led me to the GR Super, of course. Okay. But that doesn't work based on your requirements. No back seats. No yeah. back seat. Mm-hmm. Thought about the Nissan Z car. I had to brush that aside too. 
And then the recent, most recent video that we've just released on our original YouTube channel compares the Elantra N to the brand new Subaru WRX. Yes, true. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, it's manual, it's four doors, but it doesn't cost enough. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm just going to let you, I'm just going to let you land that plane. I just, oh god. If you're looking for something that is crisp, it's got good power, manual transmission, four door, all wheel drive. Mm-hmm. I think it would work great for Detroit. I do. We drove it with the CVT in that video. So take a look at that for commentary on driving dynamics. But my recommendation, and I'm skating on a little bit of thin ice here. I'm hanging on to a thread of hope. Because of all those cars that you've had, you've had front wheel drive, you've had rear wheel drive, you've had Porsches. I'm thinking, I'm racking my brain. German cars, I'm racking my brain. What other fun cars? I just listed them. What's out there? Four-door sedan. American manufacturers don't really make four doors that are manual anymore, but I think I landed on one. Okay. It's coming as of this recording. It's just barely been announced and it's supposed to be hitting the dealerships two months from this recording. And that is the Acura Integra Type S. Hmm. Okay. These are about the same price as Civic Type R's, generally speaking. But what we've found, and we've heard from various people writing to us, is that the Acura Integra is a little bit more available than, say, the Civic Si. Sure. Shopping for a Civic Mm -hmm. Si, you really want one? Have you considered just the Integra, the Mm -hmm. regular Integra? Mm -hmm. But now that the Civic Type R is out, those are right out. They're they're kind of unobtainium, just like your GR Corolla. I do love that GR Corolla for you if you can come through, if they give it to you for MSRP, if they treat you fairly mm-hmm. and you can get that car, I do highly recommend that. That does make all kinds of sense. But that Integra Type S is quite compelling, okay. especially sure. after spending so much time with the Type R. I'm wondering, could you, mm. are they going to be a little bit more available? Are they going to be in the regular Integra camp? Like, you know what? I actually can get one, you know, mm-hmm. maybe not quite mm-hmm. as difficult as some of these others, but they'll sell it to me and I can get one. And those are right about 50, 55 is my understanding. Slightly more horsepower, if you can believe it, than the Civic Type R. Yeah. And in, well, the couple of videos that we have talked about, front wheel drive is not a dirty word <laughs> and it does have an attachment to the word, the term sports car. That's very good. They are sports cars. That's very good. Absolutely. So my choice for you is, like I said, thin ice here, but I'm hoping that could be available if you start now. Integra Type S. That's very good. I do like those. I've got a few for you, Frank. First off, I am very pleased that you're on the list for the GR Corolla. I think it's a great option here. I don't want you to pay markup. Right. I also don't want you to miss that car. (laughs) What do we do? This is is the issue. If I had the money... For a Corolla and was shopping for something where the Corolla got it done and the markup was a few thousand dollars, <sighs> I think I'd go for it. That's three just... grand, maybe five, maybe, oh, maybe. Gosh, I would feel, That's the problem. I'd feel dirty. <laughs> I would, I would feel dirty. Okay. But, but I yeah. think I might do it because if it was a car that I thought really met my needs and I was going to keep it for a while, if it's a car I'm going to buy because I'm going to try it out and maybe it'll work for me, I'm going to wait couple years and get one then. But if it's like, I want to buy it new, I'm going to keep it for six or eight years. It's going to be my car. I might be willing to stretch because it's a really cool car. So good. But I cannot believe this markup continues. It horrifies me. I'm glad you're on the list. Uh, please don't pay markup if you can avoid it. Uh, we, it's paying markup that allows the to, to continue. I think the market is turning 
And I think that may starting to we'll is what we'll we're see. feeling and hearing. Yeah. So, yes. I'm going to bring up a couple here because you said you don't really need usable back seats. I mean, you want back seats, but it's not like I use back seats all the time. Since it's no, Are they for your jacket? Yeah, you seriously. Your jacket since it's there? no big adults in the back seat, you know, if we stay in muscle car world, um, Challenger with a manual, that's a big car. It's a big car. Now it's an older car. Yeah. And it's not a Mustang. So that may be right out. But I did wonder about a Challenger with a manual. You brought up BMWs, and I'm going to circle back and say this. What about an early M2? That would the work, back actually. The yeah. of the M2 are better than you think they are. Now they're not like, let's go cross country. But if you were taking like, teenagers kids or teenagers somewhere in the back of the m2 and you're not trees like we are you'd be fine mm -hmm. in fact yeah. watch our m2 cs versus lotus evora review actually visually one of my very favorites we've ever done because i love the contrasting colors and it was like perfect day on the mountain in the mountains great roads etc but as part of the gag i got in the back seat of both of them i am including the evora which is quite funny <laughs> but but all things considered, I was able to actually get myself in the back of the M2 and think, I could go somewhere a short distance here. And I am I'm too big for back seats like that. So the M2 just might work. So I want to put that out there. We had to call the fire department for their jaws of life to get him out of the Evora. The Evora was bad. It was, it was genuinely bad. It's funny, but it's bad. Uh, if you're going to talk about the Chevy SS, which you should, because I think it's a great call, I have to bring up this, which is slightly out of your budget. CT4 Blackwing. Well, that's pretty good. How nice do you want this car to be? But a CT4 Blackwing is out there. They're available manual transmission. They were 60-65. Now, I don't know. I can't actually speak to what you could really get one for. Their MSRP was like low 60s, so it's above your budget. But now you're doing the newer, classier version of what the SS was, even though I, I can't. If you said I could you could find an SS tomorrow for this, I would go get the SS. So great. Blackwing is actually pretty compelling. That's it kind is of interesting. Cool. It is pretty cool. I mean, the, the SS really is. They, they mentioned it at the time, and I thought, oh, that's marketing speak. But then I drove it and was like, you know, this really is the four-door Corvette. It's like the closest they made to a four-door Corvette. So the SS is very good. Blackwing's possible. Two wild cards for you. Wild cards for obvious reasons. First wild card, you've had a Porsche before. Mm -hmm. You've had lightweight sports cars before. You need a four-door. Essentially, what you're looking at now is hot hatches like the GR Corolla. What about a Macan? You can't get a manual. Can't get a manual. But know. it is Porsche's hot hatch. I mean, I really, I, I kind of refuse to call that a CUV. It is Porsche's hot hatch. I like that. So I'm on board. I think, I think look at the Macan because I wonder if that merges the needs you're heading toward mm -hmm. with the Porsche history that you have with proper dynamics. Because the problem, if you will, with a lot of hatchbacks is that they are front-wheel drive biased. And that may not be something you want. You're coming out of two, well, multiple rear-wheel drive cars in a row. You may not want, I mean, you, you signed up for the GR Corolla, which is cool. The the Integra you brought up, Paul, the, the Civic Type R, the Elantra, these are all excellent to drive. But I don't know, because Frank hasn't told us for sure. Are you okay with that shift to different driving dynamics? Are you all right with it? And if you aren't, then the closest you can get is actually kind of the Porsche Macan as far as a hatchback that has some rear-wheel drive feel to it. So that's why I'm thinking of that. The other wild card that I have here, because you did bring up things like the Chevy SS, is the Alfa Giulia. How much Alfa Giulia do you want to buy? Do you want the big quadrifolio? Because you would love it, but it isn't a manual. You would love it. It's, yeah, gosh. That's the problem. It is It is one of the few, if not one of the only sedans that I would buy over a Chevy SS. And I would deal with the fact mm. it doesn't have a manual because it should have. It should have had a manual. But it is so, it's, it's, here's the thing. It's better to look at than the Chevy SS. It sounds better. I like it dynamically better. And 
This is from the guy that likes the Chevy SS quite a bit. Yeah, that's so Julia the Julia. Is so now, good. You can get the base four cylinder with like 250 horsepower, and it's it's more powerful than you think it is. But can you if with fifty grand, you could find yourself a quadrifolio. All right, Frank. Well, hopefully all of these suggestions carry some street cred we'll in see. Detroit. You're going to have to make that determination. And it sounds like you've got a little bit of homework and driving to do. If you've got an email like Frank, send it to us, TV at gmail.com. Michael's writing in from Wisconsin. And when I first started to read this email, I thought, Michael, have you seen our videos of late? <laughs> because he's asking about cars of the past. Yeah, he is. And I opened this podcast talking about the fact that uh, reluctantly, but realistically, I'm going to need to uh, sell the 300ZX. It's going to be a highest bidder situation on Discord, which is only our patrons. It'll be very cool. Coming, It'll be very sad, but very cool. But we've had this Cars of the Past series. You went on a whim and bought a Porsche 928, Paul. And yeah, that I was went, a whim. Um, yeah. Well, dang yeah. it. I guess I'm buying a 300ZX. <laughs> but, what ha- but what came out of that yeah. has been these four amazing road trips that in many ways have been, I, 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 this is going to sound like I'm waxing lyrical or, or overstating, but they've been kind of life-shaping mm-hmm. to do these road trips. We have had so yeah. much fun. We have done amazing experiences. We've seen stuff we'd never seen before. We keep coming back to, we talked about it with Brian's Questionable Decisions, Brian Whalen and his 308. We keep coming back to these really cool cars. Yeah. So yeah. Michael's writing in and going, what about revisiting a car of the past? For him, it was a Honda Del Sol. Remember those? I can't believe you brought up the Del Sol, Michael. This was Honda at their the highest of their powers in the 90s. And they made what was frankly a great looking little front wheel drive Honda Civic variant with the whole Targa roof that slid back into the trunk and then dropped down. I'm actually racking my brain trying to figure out the last time I've even seen one. It had that cool rear window that rolled down. So cool. Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen one for years. Well, since Michael's enthusiasm had exceeded his skill level, in 1994, he bought one. <laughs> Wrapped it around a tree less than a year later. <laughs> and it was front-wheel drive, too, so that that, yeah. that doesn't speak good things. He actually acknowledges for the actually the handling versus his uh, capability, yeah. Well, in my 2005, he and his wife had a toddler on, with twins on the way, and uh, that meant moving from their quaint Tudor-style home into a bigger suburban home and replacing their quirky but fun vehicles, the 94 Jeep Cherokee, two-door with a manual, and that Del Sol. He bought his second Del Sol, the non-wrapped around the tree one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gosh. So here they are looking at being empty nesters in the not-distant future, and he finds himself missing the Del Sol in ways he thinks are more than mere nostalgia. Mm, Okay. First off, he loved the transmission. He's driven manuals from all kinds of manufacturers in the decades, and the 90s Honda manual is still a standout. You're right. It is, for sure. The only one that's come close for him is the NA and NB generations of the Miata. Okay. Loves that mechanical feel, but he also loved the Targa top. Sealed up tight, he says, easy to remove and stow. And Honda did a remarkable job, he writes, of managing airflow in the car, like we talked about, roll that back mm-hmm. window down. And so he's looking for something convertible, something Target-ish, something yep. f- that with that roof kind of flavor that that okay. Del Sol right, had. Right. He says it wasn't fast, it didn't handle all that well, but it was a great road trip <laughs> car and perfectly comfortable for commuting. Okay. He always liked the look and the build quality, and it was impressive for an affordable small car. Sure, I see that. Then his wife, who swears she is not a car person has owned a 97 BMW Z3 with the inline six and a manual transmission for 10 years. 
By the way, there are many like obsessive car people who have not owned a car that cool. I just want to put that out there. Agreed. Anyway. She insists they are never getting rid of it. I think she's a car person. Yeah, you're a car person. uh, Mm -hmm. You're an enthusiast. the, The case. Sorry. He's got access to it. That rear wheel drive, manual sporty car. But he doesn't particularly love it. It sounds great. Handles well. It's fast enough for what they use it for. But then, of course, Mike is the guy that has to deal with it when it breaks. <laughs> this is why he doesn't like it. <clears throat> it's part of the arrangement. And the interior quality is not impressive. It feels like every screw and bolt was tightened to about three quarters. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. <laughs> just back the torque off don't, on that. Don't we have a lunch coming up? Let's just go to lunch. I, I, it's it, The panel's on there. Let's move on. He says it's fun for running around town and date nights, but he doesn't enjoy it all that much for road trips. Interesting. So here's his question. What should he look at besides the Honda Del Sol? Interesting. Okay, all right. It's 30 years old. Mm -hmm. It is, yes. Despite the outstanding Honda build quality, it probably won't feel like it did when it was new. And he is sure that his memories are colored with warm nostalgia. Yes, I would say they probably are. We need to invent that crayon color, nostalgia. <laughs> what, is, what is that color? In the 128 box, what is the color of nostalgia? <laughs> it's it's like, it's got to be rosy color. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's rose leaning orange. It's 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 right in that area. Yeah. Color uh-huh. it with warm nostalgia. I like it. That's that, good. That happened to me with the 928. <laughs> I hate that color. What, what, what color has happened now? I hate that color. What color are you on at this point? God. Anyway, yeah. So these Del Souls are hard to find unmodded. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. A good one is about $15,000, which seems like a lot. But he's not coming up with too many other alternatives. All he's got is the MX-5 Miata RF. And he says the, that RF would be over twenty grand used, but it would be much newer. See, mm-hmm. there you go. You're justifying the Paul limiter right there. But, <laughs> but he's making real, real points here. I mean, that's a, you're debating technology's come a long way. Yes, it has. Between the Honda Del Sol and the brand new current gen Mazda Miata in DRF. That's a uh, yeah. They might be similar in size, and that's about it. Well, and 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 theoretically, they're similar. They're the same concept. Make me a small two seat retractable heart, but yet they're worlds apart. Well, Mike is six foot tall. He fits comfortably enough in the older Miatas, but his reluctance to buy that RF is primarily around reports that it's not great to drive with the top down. He understands there's a lot of buffeting and he likes to drive their convertible on a coldish day with the heat on and the top down. Mm. He tries to make the most of top down driving season in Wisconsin. Okay. All right. So he wants to look for a car with excellent mechanical, precise feeling manual transmissions that are fun to drive fast enough and have top down motoring. Mm. He would love a Targa. He would consider convertibles. Think more fun cruising and road trip kinds of cars. Fun on the back roads, but doesn't need to be a specific canyon carver or track toy. And this ideal budget would be twelve to $15,000 since the MOF knows this is what a good Del Sol will cost. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But playing the long game, he could stretch to twenty grand. This is the car that he would like to drive the doors off. Commuting, errands, road trips, date nights, probably not all four seasons, maybe three and a half seasons. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, first off, Mike, I want to say something about Targas and T-tops and cars where you take off a panel and not the entire top. <laughs> By and large, they have bad buffeting. Very few get away with not having bad buffeting issues. Sadly, the NDRF suffers from this. I love it. I love it in RF form. We've mentioned that it's going to be, I think, one of the 
classic designs that will last. In 25 years, people are going, that's a gorgeous car. Yep. I do think it's that good. Yep. But it definitely has buffeting. But I don't think that is just a Miata Targa issue. That is a very common Targa issue. My 300ZX with the with T-tops the out, the buffeting's horrific. The C7 Corvette with the Targa top removed, lots of buffeting. Now, I mean, what is your tolerance level? I also wonder, I'm just putting this out there, Mike. It's been a while since you were in a Del Sol. <laughs> right. How much buffeting was there? Was there more than you think there was? I'm just, I'm asking. I don't know. But but the problem is that if you don't go full convertible, buffeting is a real problem that is prevalent on almost all cars. It's true. Gosh, yeah, it's probably been 30 years since you've been in one. Unless you've driven one recently just looking for used ones and you've gone for test drives, it's probably been a while. And yeah. there is that feeling. There was no buffeting. There was none. It was it great. It was the best car ever. That's really? what I felt about 928s. They're fine. <laughs> Gulp. <laughs> but you know what? We got road trips out of them. Yeah. We got life experience out of them. Big time. Yeah. We got some awesome memories out of those Completely. cars. Completely. Yeah. And I cannot say that I have regret. I'm bummed that I spent <laughs> the money that I did to put into it, but I can't wait to drive it again. I know. I know. I love that car. But that means you're open to an older car. This email here, Mike, if you're considering a 30-year-old car, of course, Miatas are always a good choice, but that helped my decision-making for you. Okay. Because, well, that and your budget, because you're playing the long game here. So that means probably older, but unfortunately, you're going to have to spend at least 20. That's what I feel like, because... Mm. Your MOF has the car that's in the twelve to $15,000 range. True. She yeah, already yeah. has that. Yeah, fair point. And you don't really like it. And mm, if we're playing the long interesting game, point. and All this right. is a car you're going to drive a lot, as right. you said, I think getting the better car, mm. the car that is in better shape and therefore cost more than similar cars of the era that, you know, they're older, high miles, and they're cheap. But what about a better one from that same era that actually costs okay. a little more and you right. enjoy it that yeah, much yeah. longer because you'll have this a long time because you, I feel like you are going to do the same thing and you are going to be ready. We can't stop you. If you want a Del Sol, if no. you want a Del Sol blessings, get go yes. get yourself a Del Sol, yep. find the best Del Sol you can find. Mm -hmm. Enjoy mm -hmm. that and drive it. Yeah, for sure. But what about a Boxster for 20 grand? Yeah, that's compelling. What about it? That is compelling, I have to admit. Porsche Boxster, and if we're going older, I cannot ignore a Porsche 968 convertible. Oh, look at you. That's the better <laughs> 944. <laughs> it's like a convertible GR86. Yeah, okay. Kind of. I see where you are. All right, I see where you are. Those cars don't like to sit, and if you're going to be driving them, it'll be healthy. You'll have to put money into maintenance. Yes, you will. It won't be like a Miata or... Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm sure you're putting maintenance into that BMW too. So yeah, let's get that 968 convertible. Most of them, unfortunately, are automatics, at least the ones that I found. They seem to just mm -hmm. be the automatic and they're, you want the manual. So you're going to have to search a little bit hard and you might have to pay a little more. But on the other hand, you're keeping this classic car alive and you're just driving it. Mm. I thought about the E90 series convertibles. Oh, sure. Yeah, the BMW E90 series. Thought sure. about those. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I thought, well, you could also buy Todd's car. You know, you're looking for Targas and T-Tops. <laughs> in case you didn't hear, sure, Todd yeah. is selling. Mm -hmm. Join the Discord. I and... hope to get a little bit more than your $15,000 budget out of that car, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, all right. But I believe that I have your car. Oh, I good. worked my way there because I thought, oh, wait, Corvettes. What in the Corvette lineup could you get 
And I thought of that C4ZR1. I'm like, well, maybe. Okay, yeah. And I thought of some older ones, and I said, no, those aren't right. The new ones are too expensive. But then I wondered about C6s. Okay. I wondered about C6 Grand Sports. Mm-hmm. But then I hit upon it. The 427 convertible. Oh, look at you. That okay. is the Z06 in convertible form with the 7-liter LS7 V8 mm. and a manual transmission. Mm. The 427 convertible C6. Look at you. That's what I want for you. Okay. Yeah, you're going to love that. It's got a big engine on it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. But go enjoy that thing. It's a convertible Corvette. The, the interior's better. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit better than mm-hmm. the C5s. It's a it's designed to be a convertible first. So structural sure. rigidity. It's designed yeah. to be that way. So it's going to be just fine. Lots of power. Drive that thing. Manual transmission. That's a rare beast. Yeah, it is. I think for me, that kind of crosses both lines. It okay. feels mm-hmm. nostalgic because of that engine. And it feels modern because it's still new enough. That's good. I do like that. That's really good. Mike, I have a few for you. I'm not sure I can top that, but I have a few for you, mostly because I'm just kind of, this whole thing's just gotten me thinking because of the buffeting issues and the top down and that kind of stuff. And you know a car you didn't mention in all of this? You said you haven't driven the third gen Miata, the NC, which came in a power retractable hard top. That's true. An actually really great hard top. You were talking about how you liked how the dull sole really sealed up nicely and it was great for really bad weather, but perfectly good on a good day. That's actually the NC Miata. You get full convertible out of it, but the full hardtop closes up and is really nice, actually. Now, the car's not very big. You haven't said how very big you are. I remember when I actually seriously considered at one point in LA buying an NC hardtop and actually did a couple test drives, and I kept thinking, I fit. (laughs) there's nothing extra in here, but I do fit. I will also say that the thing about the, the NC that's very interesting though, is that that is the roomiest of the Miatas. You say you're six feet tall. It's the biggest of all the generations. And you you fit comfortably enough in older Miatas. The NC is the most roomy. So I think that might work as well. Now that interior is not aging wonderfully. Don't get the very early ones, get as late a one as you can because they revised the door pockets. The early ones like the 06s, the 08s or whatever. They had a, a really a protruding cup holder in the door panel. Oh yeah. Right. It was really annoying and they finally fixed that. So still have that imprint in your leg. Practically. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like a scar. Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) so look into the later model of that, but that's a really good option here. And then Mike, I'm going to say something that I, I wonder if you've thought of, and I just need to verbalize it for you. The car you want is a Honda S 2000. That's the car you want. That is the car you want. Because the Del Sol right. was like, I can't have an S2000. I got a Del Sol. You loved the transmission on the Del Sol. The S2000 is the car you kind of want. I kind of feel like what you think the Del Sol is, the S2000 is closer. I kind of wonder. And they're about a decade newer than a Del Sol. That's good. Now, a nice one is yeah. probably going to be a little bit up in your budget 2025, probably to get a nice one, maybe Expensive. more if it's really nice. But I think you need to at least go drive some Honda S2000s and see if that takes the Honda-ness you want or you remember out of the Del Sol and just does it better, because I think it might. I think all of the nostalgia stuff could transfer to that car. Yeah, that's so good. So S2000 is out there. I have one wild card Okay. because it is, it's, it's wild. It's really out there in this group. I'm talking about Corvettes you, over you here. You are. You so are. Now, 427, because yeah. you've got uh, 15 to 20 grand, 
There's a ton of these out there. The fact that you want a car that is different than the ones you've had and you can just drive it made me think of this car, the Pontiac Solstice or the Saturn Sky. I wondered if you'd go there. The GXP or the Redline, get it in turbo. Now, the interiors on those, the the interior on the Sky is actually a little bit better, but they're out there and they're cheap. They're so cheap. They have remained cheap. The, the dynamics of those, I feel like the S2000 would... Oh, the S2000 blows it away. No, be better, honestly, the S2000 and the NC Miata both have better dynamics than the Solstice. Yeah. But if, if you're using it in this kind of three-season cruiser, that's the sweet spot of the Solstice and Sky. Hmm. A car that you don't have to worry about. It's got GM parts. I'm just going to drive this. It doesn't matter the weather. I'm going to go. I do think, I think if he finds a really nice Honda S2000, there's going to be a terrible day outside and he's going to think, nah, I don't know about the S2000. The Solstice, he'd be like, let's go. Let's just go. Yeah, Who cares? Maybe so. Let's just drive it. Maybe so, so. I think that's why it's my wild card. And my super duper wild card version is the coupe because it was a target top. The You're going to pay 60 is, grand for those. I looked them up. The cheapest one I can find is an auto and it's 20 and it's base as they could be. The nice ones, the GXP coupes are 40 to 60. And I will tell you right now, there may be no other car out there let, that's that's worth <laughs> less than what they're asking for those. I, sorry, 40 oh. to 60 on those cars is extortion. That is like twice what that car is worth, but they're very rare. If you find, any of you listening, if you find a good deal on somebody selling a Pontiac Solstice Coupe in manual, you should buy it just because you could flip it instantly. And I'm not a guy that talks about flipping cars. Those cars are so yeah. overpriced. Forget COVID pricing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. People bought those things and mothballed them instantly. Well, we're going to see them in 30 years. We are. Come out of garages and people are going to laud them as this. And other than the fact gonna that be they grand. really look cool, oh, there is ugh. no reason to mark those up. But there you go. I'm in wildcard territory. Mike, hope it helps. Lots of cool questions. Thank you guys for writing in on social media and, and giving us questions to talk about on this podcast. We love asking for questions. We love trying to tackle them. I'm going to start here with Clayton on Facebook who says, can we share some tactics on performing drive homework? He wants to do drive homework, but he said, in some cases, the car I want to drive is over 10 years old and it's not available on uh, Turo or anywhere that he could actually rent one. Clayton, this is where you have to ask nice on the forums of choice. That was my you idea have to too. find yeah. local owners that own the cars and you have to say, look, I really would like to buy one of these. How can I drive yours? And, and, yeah. that, and that may take yeah. some ongoing conversation. It may take some failures with some of the owners of the guys going, no, that's not happening. I mean, maybe not okay. lead with that. Maybe no, make friends not. first. No, absolutely not. I'm not saying you have to buy him a beer, but still. But, but, you, just, you, but you need to lean your way in. And yeah. I have found on, on the various forums I've been in over the years, there's almost always a guy on a forum that is the guy for that. Yeah. There's almost yeah. always a guy where if, if you kind of wave that flag and go, I've never driven one. I've always wanted to. I'd like to buy it. Is there any way I can drive anyone? Somebody's going to be like, oh, at so-and-so because they they're, he's the guy. You need to drive his. There's almost always that guy. That's the only way I can think of. Seth K says, after manufacturers went with haptics on everything and buried certain things in menus, people and journalists everywhere espoused how much we all want buttons. Mm -hmm. Yet people freaked out when the Panamera came out with its 8,000 buttons. He says this might be a slight exaggeration on the center console. So what's the happy medium? What do we need physical buttons for? What's okay to make haptic, if anything? And what is okay to put in a menu and submenu? 
Well, I find it interesting that manufacturers in their marketing materials are actually calling out physical buttons and knobs for various features, specifically Honda with the volume knob. Mm -hmm. They're doing this because they have realized you cannot just bury everything like a Tesla, just bury it all in a menu. Mm -hmm. That is the cheap and easy way. Screens are very inexpensive for manufacturers, so it's just a way of getting around having to manufacture nice tactility with Mm -hmm. buttons. And that has made manufacturers think that haptics are the easy in-between solution. There's good haptics and there's bad haptics. Yes. For the good ones, I'm not opposed, but it doesn't seem like they're prevalent quite yet. The the good haptics that feel really good. I remember driving the Fisker Karma Mm -hmm. 10 or so years ago. A while, a long while. Been a while, thinking, wow, haptics. I hate this. This is terrible. Those are early haptics, of course, Mm -hmm. but it did give the instrument panel and the interior cleaner look. So from a design perspective, I have to admit that. Mm -hmm. But for the things that should remain knobs, volume knob and buttons, the recirc button, just the HVAC recirc button, it should be like the Staples easy button, like the big red button. Bam. (laughs) That was easy. (laughs) Just make it accessible and easy. The things that you, I feel like, from a design perspective, I was always taught that you need to understand use cases of the mm-hmm. thing you're designing. Mm-hmm. When I was designing furniture, especially outdoor furniture for you know large hotels, a lot of it sure. for, for yeah, the yeah. Vegas hotels, for the resorts, that kind of thing, we needed to go to Las Vegas and spend a day by the pool and see how people use the furniture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll see the photos on Facebook of all the girls piled on one chase lounge, and you think, okay, I need to design for like uh, four to 600 pounds of people <laughs> of, of on that chase lounge. people, yeah, exactly. That happens. Uh-huh. And then I also need to design for comfort and style and all these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So use that product in its context, and then you think, okay, I cannot design like I think it should be. I need to go get the real world use cases. And you can tell the buttons and haptics that have not been thought about. When you get in, I want heated seats. I want a heated steering wheel. I need the volume turned up or down. Mm -hmm. I need that recirc button. Those are the main things that that instant. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff is happening really quickly. Where is it? Mm -hmm. So for setting general settings, do I need the DRLs on? Do I want the safety systems low, medium and high for the chimes? Those, those kind of things can be buried deeply into menus. I thought about the thing, every recent car we've, we've driven has this, and that is the, the welcome lights, or how long the lights stay on after you turn the car off and lock it. Sure. These are things you're going to set as a driver one time. Pretty you're much. You're going to go, what is my preference? That could bury that in the menu. Yeah. We're yeah. all going to sit in our driveway. By the way, don't do this at the light. We're all going to sit in our driveway <laughs> exactly. and figure out, we got the car, how do I, what do I want that to do? And then we're never, we're going to, two years from now, you probably forgot you even said it. That's just yeah. how the car works. Yeah. That's the stuff that can be buried in menus. And there's so many little options that are available now in cars. That's the stuff that can be buried in menus. It's all the stuff you already listed it off, but it's all the stuff that you as a driver are going to constantly be changing mm. because conditions change. Mm-hmm. Anything that is a condition dependent change, you have to be able to get to it right now, replicable. And I happen to own in my second <clears throat> Cayenne, I happen to own that same generation. Cayenne generations people, people from Todd's teased. collection. For the Panamera, that same interior that people are like, why does it have so many buttons? That's what's in our current Cayenne. And I have to tell you, I love it. I love it. None of those buttons. Now, yes, I will admit, because when I first picked up the car, my son and I flew into Denver and we started driving it back. And it was essentially a 500-mile return home test drive. 
And I will admit that I got in a little bit excited and started driving and then was like, oh, I need to change some things. So I had to find buttons. And at first time glancing down, I was like, wait, where is that? Oh, there it is. Hmm. So there was a little bit of learning curve because yeah, there's, there's probably 20, 30 buttons total on the dash, but that instant learning curve. And then it was like, guess where that button is? Well, the same place it was last time. And I can get there really fast now. Yeah. I, yeah. I do think the problem is when you see a screen, we all use screens so much. We're not daunted by the screen. That's the true. blank screen or the home screen. We're like, Oh, there's stuff to discover. You give me 20 buttons and people are like, wait, what does all that do? <laughs> That's it. People people look at it like the <laughs> cockpit of an aircraft. You know, when you yeah. step onto a commercial aircraft and you look left into the way the pilots are and you just kind of go, uh-oh, lots of stuff in there. <laughs> people feel like that when they see a lot of buttons in a car and it's not that daunting, but we just get scared where if it was one big screen, I bet you the average person, if they looked into a cockpit and saw one big screen, it'd be like, oh, I could do that. One big screen and a stick, I could figure that out. Right. Yeah. But look at all the d- buttons and dials. And you're like, I'm going to go to my seat now. Well, using your aircraft reference, all the, the pertinent, I need to change things now, those are on glass cockpit equipped aircraft. Mm. All your nav systems sure. are still are, are now in your, your screens. Sure, yeah, yeah. But your throttles, your yoke, yeah. <laughs> you know, all those things that I need to- Grab like, that handle there and do with. this. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of that thinking. So we're seeing manufacturers do that more and more. And I want designers, I want the design team to really do that. Evaluate, how, how do I get into a new car? What, what do I look for? Use that empirical evidence and use it to, to make a nice mix because I think that will lead to a, a lot of good designs in the future mm. rather than just the blank instrument panel from Tesla. Let's just bury in a screen. Well, how many more ways can we make this uninteresting dash and just cover it in a <laughs> bunch of different materials? Sure, yeah. But let's make the, the nice mix between functions along with a design that will carry forward into the future a long way, I think. Braptor has a question on Instagram that I feel like, I'm going to answer it two different ways, but I feel like I could easily get down in the weeds. We could debate it. We could have four or five different answers. You go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about it that way. But this is an interesting question. If we could make our ultimate track day, now listen to the parameters here. Pick one race car, any era, any formula. Pick one race track anywhere. Pick one professional race driver of any era to give you lessons. Holy moly. Ultimate track day. I'm going to answer this two different ways, okay? We recently drove, I can't believe we did this, but we recently drove the progression of race cars of the 1970s, thanks to our friends at Griot's. That F1, if you haven't seen our We Drove F1 piece on our original YouTube channel, it hasn't gotten a lot of views, but honestly, it is an incredibly fun piece. So you really should find that. And and I was struck when we were driving the F1 car that the how tiny it was, how powerful it was, and how involving it was. Mm. And that wasn't even a modern F1 car. And that was the era right before Ayrton Senna. And also was the era right before the last era of manuals. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And when you got into the Ayrton Senna era and you had like the Marlboro car, they were still actually shifting for themselves. Yeah. Okay? So my I have two versions of this. One version is the I, I am a terrible driver. I'll never be good enough. And one version is that I might have a good day. The uh, I'm a terrible driver version is the Ayrton Center version. I want to be in his Marlboro F1 car that you still have to shift for yourself. Holy moly. On spa, oh. instructed by him. Oh, my gosh. Now, he will be embarrassed by me the entire day. I know he will be. He'll be in loafers and yes. slacks. Yes. And, and yeah, like on the radio could do a better lap than me, you know, whilst, while not get even getting up, just like somehow talking the car through, he could probably do a better lap <laughs> yes, than me. Could. But having 
the the F one thing when you're still shifting is a whole layer that has been lost. I'm not I'm not undermining any current drivers, but that level of complication astounds me. So that's my really crazy one. My accessible one is this. I want one of the the current ring hotshots. Walter Roll is one, but there's others, and I can't remember any of their names right now. I'm sorry, but the guys that they the the manufacturers hire to put their ring time down, the current guys. Okay, like a Nick Tandy or a you know every manufacturer Kevin has Estras a guy or... or two that they they put their their car down. We're going to put down our lap time today. I want one of those guys instructing me in a GR86 with good tires, because That's the GR86 good. is a car that I know I can get everything out of it. Yeah, but I'm going to need help. And the, and the ring is a, is a track that is actually maybe my favorite track ever because it's much more like a mountain road, and I love mountain roads. I love that track, and I kind of I know where to go on the ring. I'm not lost. I know where to go without any help. <laughs> so I feel like that combination after a day, I'd be pretty quick, and I'd be finding not all of the car could do, but most of it. That's Both of those are excellent. I would like to feel how it feels like to extract all of the performance and know that you have. Mm-hmm out of a car like the GR86 and then translate those to something more powerful and faster. Sure. Yeah. Not not the craziest supercar ever, but mm-hmm. something that is, you know, and, and kind of do it gradually. I need to think about this a little bit. More. It's pretty cool. That is a great question. JM Ward 9812 says, what cars would we consider to be the best Swiss Army knife cars? Mm. Dad Duty, Grand Tour, with Canyons, Autocross, tracking, daily triples. Let's say one under fifteen grand and one over fifteen thousand dollars. No Paul limiter. Ooh, okay. Oh, best dad car. GTC four Luso. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Puro Sang. You're probably right. It probably is the Puro Sang. Puro Sang. It probably is. That's terrifying to think That's about. That's the best dad car. Yeah. No Paul limiter. That is that is terrible, but very funny. You're probably not wrong. Naturally aspirated 6.3 liter V12. On the other end of the spectrum, what about an E46 BMW four-door ZHP? That's up there. That has to be up there. For dad car? Yeah, that's that's up there. You know, it. you could, because here, the tricky part about the dad car thing is when you start adding things like grand touring and, and let's take a road trip, but you still need it to be canyons and throw the kids in the back. Mm-hmm. I think that E46 era BMW is way up there. And I and I say that as the under 15K one. You could find those cars for that. Yeah, they'll be they're going to be right at the on. upper I mean, level of that and they would gosh. be and they're going to need they're going to need money, but I think that's that's up there for sure. I would love an E90 uh, BMW. Yeah, I don't think they're quite to down, be in there. I don't think they're quite down there yet cuz I would go that with that one actually. But I don't think they're quite down to 15K yet. Autocrossing that thing though, yikes! Oh, you're gonna yes. Have tires and brakes on standby because by lunch you're gonna need them. And all the gas. Yes, all, all the gas. All Bring of it the all. Gas. That, that V8 was wonderful. I wish they were that cheap for this conversation, but they're not quite. Mm, I I think for the under fifteen thousand, I'd have to go back even further. Maybe I'm you know I'm thinking about the era of Honda and mm-hmm. you know the nineties eras. Okay, I yeah. mean. Dad car. I mean, your 300ZX would be way up there. Yeah, but see, when I think dad car, I really do think four-door, four-seat. And, and, so. and if we're going to go that way, the, the so. Z is out. That's the problem. Is I mean, I would love, there's a ton of sports cars. And of course, I am the dad that drives two-seaters. But what I really think, if somebody says dad car to me, I really do think long road trips, four people in the car. Mm-hmm. And that blows away a lot of the sports cars that I want to bring up at fifteen grand. 
V10 equipped Audi S6. <laughs> if you find one of those for under 15, bring your wallet with you for yeah. things to put into it. Yeah. They're cheap to buy. Yeah. <laughs> we solved the purchase price yes. equation. You, you could get one now. <laughs> now brace yourself. I hope they keep thinking about that. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us. You know where, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, but also on social media, you can ask us questions, things on your mm -hmm. mind, current events. It's always fun to go back and listen to those and hear what we were talking about. I mean, yeah. we've talked about trucks in Tennessee that don't have their lights attached, their off-road <laughs> lights hooked up. They're, they're attached to the car. They're just not plugged into they're anything. mounted. They're just not <laughs> electrified. They're just not working. <laughs> They look mean, Stuff like that. supposedly. Yeah. Go back and uh, find all those questions. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing from you. And uh, send us your Topic Tuesdays, Car Conclusions, Car Debates. Cheers, everyone.